Hi. Yeah, there we go. Thanks, thanks, Pam and the worship team. Really, that was that was really special. Really awesome. Um, hello, everyone. Um, I'm Steve. Uh, thanks, Shells, for the introduction earlier. Um, I am one of the the elders here at Connect. Um, it's been a privilege to serve uh, Connect Church for for a number of years. Um, uh, my wife and I and our two little kitties. We normally worship at at Musenberg, and our little daughter Hannah, five years old, she. Uh, she often says to us, can I please go to, or can we go to the dark church? So it's a bit of a weird, it's, it's weird. But the reason for calling this the dark church um, is because it's got a dark roof. Um, so the, the dark tiles uh, means this is the dark church. And she often says, can I please go play with my friends at the dark church? So uh, she's having fun this morning. Um, and I'm praying that, uh, that we would also have fun here um, this morning. So, uh, John asked me some months ago to to pray into something that I'm, I'm uh, to preach into something I'm pretty passionate about, and that's uh, that's the church at work um, and uh, our ministry in the marketplace. First off, though, I do want to um, confess that I don't have it all together. Um, I don't have all the answers, and like Paul said, uh, you know, often um, he knows what he wants to do, but he doesn't do it, and the stuff he doesn't want to do, he does. Um, that's, that's a little like me, so um, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to share with you some of my thoughts and my experiences, um, but the only thing that I have is I have the grace of God over my life, I've got a relationship with Jesus, and uh, it's by His grace that I'm able to, to minister and to work and to be a believer in the workplace. So, so who am I? Um, I lead or, or, or run a company called 8020, um, it's a customer centricity business that specializes in analytics, research, and strategy. So it's normally from that point that I, I lose people in terms of what we do. But, but to give you an example of what we do, um, we predict what you will buy next at the supermarket. And because we're pretty good at predicting what you're going to buy, um, we then tell whoever you're going to buy it from that they're going to do that or that you're going to do this. And... Uh, and we then help implement interventions to get you to buy more <laughs> of the stuff you want. We just don't want you to go to a competitor. Um, so you buy from Clicks, not from Discam. You buy from Woolies, not from Pick and Pay. Um, that's what we. That's what we try. That's what we try get you to do. And we also we also give insights into customer behaviour and how different interventions are changing uh, your behaviour. Sounds a little creepy. Um, uh, we do also warn our clients of avoid that creepy factor, um, but uh, it's data science and, um, and analytics. So we're a team of 50 staff. Uh, we've got an office in Woodstock um, and a satellite office in Johannesburg. I study, oh, I grew up in Durban. I studied at UCT. I qualified as an actuary in 2001. Um, I worked for a consulting firm for a number of years, um, both here and in the UK. And uh, one night in Joburg, um, after preparing, it was late, um, probably about one in the morning, after finishing up prep for a board meeting, um, I was doing um, embedded value reviews. Peter will, will probably sympathize with me. I was doing an embedded value review for an uh, insurer up in Johannesburg, and we were pre preparing, I think it was the audit committee meeting the next morning. And, um, and when I was lying in bed, I just felt the Lord say, um, I need to... I need to move on, I need to, to resign. And um, um, I prayed about it, and, and I felt you know, a real sense that this is what I needed to do after that piece of work. 
um, I spoke to my boss, and uh, he was this great big Texan, um, and uh, he was very surprised because um, I'd been sort of fast-tracked for a, a senior role. I'd spent some time in, in England and Europe, and uh, he couldn't understand why I wanted to leave. Um, he said, well, what are you going to do? And I said, I've actually got no idea. I don't have a plan. Um, and a as an employer, when a staff member comes to me and says they want to leave and they don't have a plan, then that sort of alarm bells because I'm like, goodness, like this is really bad here um, that they want to leave without a job. But that wasn't the case. I was enjoying my work, but I felt God was calling me to do something else. I spent some months um, in prayer and, and just sort of searching and uh, uh, was led to, to, to spend some time in Central America. I worked as a missionary there. Um, I hosted some, some short-term teams from the U.S., spent lots of time with pastors, time with ex-gang members who were trying to turn their, their lives around. I mean, the gang situation in Central America is pretty, pretty hectic. Um, built a couple medical centers in La Mosquitia um, and other places. And um, then after a year, it felt like it was time to return to South Africa. So I came back. Uh, that was 2003, 2004, and uh, did, did some work as an independent consultant, um, got involved in some M&A activity, etc. Um, but then also really got involved in um, the, mission, the missions work here at Connect, uh, and uh, spent a lot of time in Zambia, Mozambique, Malawi, and really had some awesome time of ministry, working with, with other members of this church in those places. Um, I love ministry, and I love business. And uh, um, I, I love juggling the two. I, I remember the one time I came back from Mozambique. Um, I, we, we came back to Johannesburg uh, in the evening. The next morning, I shaved, put on a suit, and I was sort of at a client that next morning. And uh, I just loved the fact that I was, I was doing both. In 2009, I felt like I needed to spend more time uh, working uh, full-time and uh, joined uh, three other consultants at 8020, and I've been there ever since. Okay, so that's enough about me. Um, just, a quick, just a quick recap on last week, uh, if you were here. John started the series uh, on the church at work. And in a nutshell, he was saying, we are salt and light. And what does that mean? We are called, um, wherever we are, to be salt and light. So I wanted to start by just saying, those who have a full-time job uh, where you work for a paycheck, put up your hands. Put them up nice and high. I'm one of them. Um, keep your hand up if you believe God cares about your work, the specific work that you do, the nitty-gritty. Keep your hands up. Then keep your hands up if you believe God has called you to do what you are doing. Great. And then finally, keep your hands up if you believe your work what you do between Monday and Friday, and if you're lucky like me, sometimes a lot in between, um, if you believe that's an act of worship to God. Well, this morning, I want to let you know that it is. Your work is important to God, and it is an act of worship to Him. Right from the beginning, in Genesis, God starts by working. Creation was an incredible creative act of work. And on the seventh day, God rested because he had been at work. In Genesis 5, the first thing God gives man to do 
is a job. He says, tend the garden, work in the Garden of Eden. So the first job man was given was to be a gardener. So work was something that God created. Work isn't punishment for our sin. It's not um, the result of the fall or some consequence of our evilness. Work was something that God intended for us. Our work is worship to God. In fact, the Hebrew word avadah has the same root meaning for work and for worship. They're the same thing, according to the Hebrews. So when I say, um, if you ask me where do I worship, and I say, I could say I worship at 8020, or if you work at uh, another firm, whatever the cafe down the road, or pick and pay, or clicks, or Chevron, wherever it might be, you could say, I worship at clicks, or I worship at pick and pay. That's your place of work. That's your place of worship. That's where you are outworking your, your calling and your worship to the Lord. So before I continue, I want to read um, just our main passage for, t- for today. That's Colossians 3, 22 to 4, verse 6. I'm going to read it. It should be on the screen. Yeah. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains." Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. I'd like to propose this morning that there are three types of Christians. And I've borrowed this uh, with, with some sort of significant adaptations from Ed Salvoso's book, Anointed for Business. But I want to propose there's three types of, of, of believers in the workplace. The first is a survivor. The second is a, is, is, is a principled believer. And the third is a transformer. And I'd like to just talk through that progression because I believe, you know, those views of the workplace they progress um, and build on each other. So the first one, a survivor. And I'm sure a lot of you know what I mean. Work is just a place to, to get money, to put bread on the table. It can be a grind. It sometimes feels like it's just a lot of hard work um, with no gratitude um, and very little purpose. A view like that is a segmented view. 
you enjoy church, you come to church, you maybe have a life group, um, you know, all of that, you know, all of that good stuff. But when it comes to Monday, you wake up in the morning, you're like, oh, I've got to do another week. Friday afternoons are the best time of the week for you because you're just getting through. And a, a scripture that speaks to that kind of thinking is in, Ecclesi- in a, Ecclesiastes 2, where it says, so my heart began to despair all o- uh, over all my toilsome labor under the sun. For a man may do his work with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and then he must leave all he owns to someone who has not worked for it. This too is meaningless and a great misfortune. What does a man get for all the toil and anxious striving with which he labors under the sun? All his days, his work is pain and grief. Even at night, his mind does not rest. This too is meaningless. And I'm sure there's some of us that can relate to that passage. Sometimes work feels like that. But this morning, I want to let you know that that is not God's intention for your work. The Gallup organization, which does lots of research predominantly in the U.S., did a study some years back, and it found, it was looking at work habits um, of believers and non-believers, and it found that there was not a material or significant difference between the ethical and moral behavior of Christians and non-Christians in the workplace in the U.S. Now, now that's around, you know, sort of cheating on uh, your tax return or, um, you know, we got something at work called toggle, so your timesheets or, you know... Just, you know, just pushing the boundaries of, um, you know, what's acceptable um, behavior. Um, maybe stealing sort of paper clips, whatever it might be. Um, there wasn't a, a, a discernible difference between Christians and non-Christians. Now, isn't that, I mean, isn't that, um, isn't that sad? Yeah. <laughs> that uh, many Christians are just sort of outworking their work lives um, as if they were unbelievers. This morning, I want to let you know that your work matters. It matters to God. God did not intend your Monday through Friday to be a grind. So whether your career is in business, education, medicine, administration, government, whatever it might be, I don't want you to be robbed, and you mustn't be robbed of that sense of purpose and calling. God wants you to be counted worthy of the calling that he has given you. And he has called you to be salt and light wherever you are right now. Now, doesn't that motivate us? I mean, I find that incredibly motivating. That when you wake up on a Monday or a Tuesday or a Wednesday or whatever it might be, you know that you have a calling and God wants you to be at work. He wants you to be an instrument of change in the workplace. John's role, John Besson, as a preacher, as a pastor, his role is not more important and more spiritual than yours. It isn't. The role is different. Don't be deceived into thinking that you're some kind of sub, your calling is is something less or, or not as, a, as, as high a calling. I want to go back to uh, just that, that scripture for a moment where it says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. And do it, uh, everything you do. 
and do it, not only when their eye is on you and to curry favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord you are serving. So Paul is speaking to, to slaves and masters here. And it's, it's incredible, the advice that he gives slaves. He doesn't say sort of run away from your earthly masters or, or, or don't allow them to mistreat you or, or what have you. He says whatever you do, whatever you do, I'm going to say that again, whatever you do, do it as if unto the Lord. Your work is important to God. He also says, effectively, do your best. So he doesn't just want you to be a, um, you, know, uh, 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 you know, a nice person. He wants you to be the best you can be. If you are an engineer or an accountant, or a factory worker who's assembling machinery. Be the best accountant or engineer or factory worker you can, you can be. Set the bar high because we are believers and the work we do is worship to the Lord. Be the best you can be. I know we've all slipped here. I mean, you know, some of the examples I could think of, you know, like you could be on Facebook, your boss walks into the office and you quickly flip, you're like, oh, tab onto like your, your work email, you know, just so he doesn't see. Or maybe you stay late until your boss leaves so that it looks like you're working hard or um, you take credit when, uh, you know, someone else maybe did the hard work. Whatever it might be, God says we must seek to be the best we can be. We mustn't look to cut corners. But he goes on, and this is what I find amazing. He goes on to say, we are also doing it to receive an inheritance in heaven. So when we think of storing up treasures in heaven, like it speaks about in, 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 in Matthew 6, when Jesus um, spoke about uh, um, you know, treasures in heaven, we often think about caring for the needy. I mean, that's what the parable is about, um, or the spiritual disciplines, fasting and prayer and what have you. But here... In Colossians, there's a direct link between our work, the way we work, and how we work, and our inheritance in heaven. Like it or not, the way we work between Monday and Friday will determine our inheritance in heaven. That's what the Bible says. So let's not be survivors. Let's not just get through the daily grind. The second type of Christian is what I'd call a principled uh, believer. That's the second type. So, for example, some years back, um, I was big into the sort of seven habits of highly effective people, and we did this, uh, um, Brenda and I, we quite like sort of road trips, so we were driving from Cape Town to Durban, and I said, well, you know, let's listen to, you know, Stephen Covey's book, you know, three, four hours in, uh, hearing about, um, you know, I just wrote down something, being proactive and, you know, beginning with the end in mind and putting first things first, think win-win, all that kind of stuff. Brenda was just like over it. She just wanted to throw the radio out the window. She's like, babe, I can't listen to this. Um, 
But I was like really into, okay, I must remember these points. These are really like useful. Um, but that's, we like that to some extent. We want like the ABC list or the sort of the one to 10, how to be a good dad, how to be a good Christian, you know, how to succeed at work. Um, but that's not, that's, not the way, that's not the way it should be. It's not a works thing. It's not, well, if I do ABC, then I'm okay. Um, but that's the way, you know, reason and logic and argument, it's the way we wired as sort of, you know, from a, from a, a sort of a Western kind of Greek culture. Um, but that's not, that's not God's intention for us to, to just sort of do a checklist. It's also not just about being nice. Now, granted, we need nice people in the workplace. You know, in fact, we need ethical people as well. We need nice and ethical people. Um, and if you're not a nice and ethical person, you know, then the foundation's wrong and you're never going to be able to be, you know, anything more than that as a, as a transformer in the workplace. Um, but the reality is not swearing, not telling coarse jokes, um, being friendly to staff or getting along with your colleagues or maybe sort of getting them a, a birthday present on their birthdays, not stealing paper clips, not calling an Uber on the work account when it's actually like a social trip or whatever, um, being a good person is not God's calling for you in the workplace. It's not just about being good. It's not just about being ethical, even though there's a massive dearth of sort of ethical behavior in corporate South Africa at the moment from what we read in the papers. I mean, look at, you know, look at the, the KPMGs, the Steinhoffs, the McKinsey's, the SAPs, the EOHs. I mean, the list is just unbelievable. Um, business leaders are not being ethical. And as believers, we must be ethical. We must be ethical. Today's culture, it's a, it's a pressure to win kind of environment. You know, your boss would say, sort of, we've got to achieve this at all costs. You know, win at all costs. I sometimes think we, we sort of started at school, you know. But, but, you know, I find it as well in my, in my role. You know, we set budgets, we set targets, we don't achieve them. I get a phone call from our shareholder. And he's like, listen, Steve, like, what happened? You know? And I'm like, oh, I'm trying to explain, you know, some of our business is lumpy, you know, last month, blah, blah, blah. It's lots of pressure, you know, trying to explain why you didn't achieve what you said you were going to achieve. And it's very easy to start blurring those ethical lines. Small transgressions become larger transgressions. Um, that sort of win at all costs kind of attitude. But I want to say we do have a choice. We can choose not to do that. You know, I had a situation um, a couple years ago where um, our shareholder introduced me to, um, you know, one of the large international casino chains, casino and hospitality chains. And obviously, given what we can do or what we do, um, you know, our ability to predict sort of gambling behavior and sort of interventions that will help sort of entrench and grow individuals' gambling behavior, I mean, that's something that a lot of competitors do. And it's, it's really lucrative. Casinos have a lot of money um, because, you know, if you gamble, you, you, on average, you, you don't win. Um, and I've, I was really burdened by this because um, I felt incredible pressure to, to do the work, to, to um, engage with this particular client. And I reached a point where I said, actually, you know, I just can't do this because it's just not what I believe God wants us to be doing. It's not the kind of stuff. And I'm not, you know, it's your own situation. We need to be sort of sensing from the Lord what, you know, what he's calling us to do. And I had that difficult conversation where I spoke to the client and I said, listen, sorry, I, you know, you're not going to understand. I said to the show, you're not really going to understand, but this is not the kind of stuff we want to be doing. 
and the weight, oh, the relief that just sort of like, like came over me. It's, it's, it's the Holy Spirit at work within you. You've got to listen to that voice because if you allow it to become dull, you find yourself slowly, um, you know, doing things you don't want to do. And maybe it's not as sort of, maybe it's not sort of big stuff. Maybe it's small stuff like promising to a client uh, you can do something which you know your company can't do just to make the sale or, you know, not being completely truthful. Um, Maybe breaking sort of confidentiality of clients in some small way or blaming others for, for something that they didn't do so that you don't get blamed. Taking credit when you don't deserve it. Or maybe forcing a team member or a, a staff member or what have you um, to put work before family just because you will benefit. Um, I mean, there's a whole, the list goes on and on and on of all the things that, that we could do that just stop blurring those lines. And we do have a choice. Sure, there will be consequences sometimes, but we have a choice. And we can stand firm and say, that's not what I believe um, I should be doing. I think of uh, Acts 28, when Paul was shipwrecked on the island of Malta. And his comment about the people, the Maltese, was they were unusually kind and good people. They weren't believers. They were pagans. But they were kind. They were nice people. They were ethical people. But that doesn't mean they were believers. And we must make sure that uh, we're not just principled Christians. We're not just sort of adhering to this, this works-based culture of like, well, if I do the ABCs, then I'll be okay. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, my message and my preaching were not with wise, wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. We need God's power in the workplace. And that's why he's put us there. That third type of Christian that I want to propose this morning is the transformer. Now this is someone who understands the difference between being a good and nice person and walking in step with the Spirit, being empowered by the Holy Spirit. Our calling in the workplace is to usher in the kingdom of God. The rule and reign of Christ in our workplace, supernaturally. That's what God wants us to be doing. We are his instruments for that. We need to be seeking God, seeking God's wisdom, seeking his guidance. We need to be on our knees in prayer, praying that God would do that through us in the workplace. Now, I remember one occasion where um, uh, we had a, we had a, this is again a few years back, and um, we had a, a, a sort of a stakeholder, sort of shareholder and, and director sort of discussion. I think it was a, a board meeting, um, and uh, there was some conflict, and, you know, our, our shareholder or the, the primary investor in, in the, the group company that, that, that owns us, or, or sort of majority owns us, um, got really upset, and, and one of the other directors got really upset, and they were shouting and, you know, swearing at each other. Um, back then, I was sort of the only believer, um, but we we're all really nice people, though. Um, and, uh, 
And he was just about to storm out the room. I mean, he had his hand on the, on the door, and he was going to sort of pull it open. And, and I, I just I stood up, and I said, I'm not going to let this end like this, you know. I said, we are not going to leave this meeting dishonoring one another and, and, and shouting at one another. We can disagree, but we need to honor one another, and we need to do this the right way. And... Um, it totally changed the meeting. You know, I felt like God was like, in a way, you know, at the time it all happened so quickly, you know, but, but like God was sort of like, he wanted to change the atmosphere. And that's what we can do in the workplace. Um, and if you ever have like a really bad day, um, which sometimes I have, um, a, a nice suggestion is um, go for a cup of tea at the vineyard. So like at the end of that day, I, I phoned up Brenda and I was like, babe, um, could we, you know, could we meet at the vineyard? And I remember this, uh, this shareholder of ours phoned me up while I was there. And he was like, Steve, in my 30, 40 years of business, I've never experienced that. You know, I've had lots of fights in boardrooms. But I've never experienced someone change the atmosphere like that. It was nice to be able to say, well, I don't, I don't think it was me. Um, it was the Lord working through me. So, so how do we do this? How do we be transformers in the workplace? How do we do it? Um, going back to that, uh, that verse in, in, Corinth, in uh, Colossians, it says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. One of the first things you need to be doing is you need to be praying, you need to be listening for the voice of God, and you need to be watching to see what He's doing. Now, you know, that includes praying for people, praying for your boss, praying for your colleagues, um, you know, really asking God to, to, to help you in the way you interact with them, that they may move in, you know, that, that he would move in their lives through whatever situations they, they're going through. But it's, it's in addition to that, it's also praying for wisdom. You know, you've got decisions. I sometimes, I, I mean, I love it, truthfully. I'm a little A-type. I love, like, getting stuff done. Um, I love making decisions, but sometimes it's a bit overwhelming, you know? Um, and God's put you in a position where he wants you to be using godly wisdom. He wants you to be making decisions in a God-honoring way. He wants you to be listening around, um, you know, how to act in a certain situation. Maybe it's product design or service. Maybe, you, you know, you're coming up with a new product or, or, or you're doing a new sort of a marketing thing. Whatever your role is, you should also be praying into that. Like, how can God, like, give you that sort of God-inspired creativity that, that, that can change your environment? You know, your products and service have, have, services have an opportunity to impact the world around you. How are you seeking God for, for, for that kind of, um, uh, you know, that kind of authority, that kind of guidance? I mean, the Lord's Prayer says, um, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. 
And he wasn't just speaking about our church life. He was speaking. That prayer is also about our work life. Your kingdom come here on earth. God wants us to be ushering in the kingdom of God into our workplace. We should also be prepared and expectant. So let's not just be laissez-faire and sort of say la vie, you know, what will be will be. Um, but we must be prepared to give, the, to give, a, to give a word for the, re, you know, the hope that we have or be prepared um, to, um, to do the best we can in a given situation. Um, we shouldn't just, you know, sit back and say, well, God, if you're going to do something, you need to do something. No, God wants us to, to, to be proactive in our engagements in the workplace. Um, he wants us to, to make sure that we're equipping ourselves, but then also stepping out in faith to expect the power of God to be transformative wherever we are. And it's not just about making converts. I know it's easy to think, okay, I need to, you know, I need to just share the gospel with the guy who sits next to me, and you know, hopefully I can lead him in the salvation prayer. Um, it's, it's way more than that. This is about discipling. You spend at least 40 hours a week with your colleagues. That's the most incredible opportunity to witness, to disciple, and to live life with them. Live life with them. That's what God wants you to do. I mean, I've got this, you know, I said I'm a pretty A-type kind of person, um, but I have this like, this, this sort of like knack you know, where I walk past people in the office and I feel God is some, often says like, you know, spe- speak to that person or, or, or grab a coffee with that person. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, you can imagine what kind of person I, mean, I say, to, say to some of the staff, you must like use your toilet breaks and your coffee breaks, like be, be purposeful, you know, walk, walk past your team and like on your way to the water cooler, just make sure they're okay, you know, use every moment, be, be efficient. Um, uh, but when I, when I respond to, to God's voice where he says, speak to so-and-so, and I invite them into, into my office or we go down and grab a coffee somewhere, like 100% of the time, it's a God moment. And God uses that conversation for like his glory. And I mean, I keep tissues in my pocket because, because you know, the number of times I've cried with like men and women, women colleagues at work. And even sometimes clients, it's, 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 it's only a God thing, you know, talking through marriage, through children, through adoption, you know, even crazy things like, like you know, like abortion or, or cancer in the family, your life purpose or family members on drugs. I mean, like, you have an opportunity to witness into the world. It's a broken world out there. And God has put you in the place he's put you so that you can be an instrument of change. You know, in a number of those conversations, I really feel the power of God. And, um, and you know, I've, I've, I've sometimes had the opportunities to speak boldly into people's lives and just sort of call out the purpose in their lives. And, 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 and sometimes I say, well, you know, I told them, well, most of them know I'm, I'm, a, I'm a believer. And I say, well, I believe in Jesus. Um, you know, I know you're sort of not at that place, whatever. Do you mind if I pray for you? And nine times out of ten, they say, yeah, like, pray for me now. Um, you know, once or twice they say, you know, don't, don't, I feel uncomfortable if you pray for me now. You, you are going to pray for me at home, but please don't pray, you know, for me in, in front of me. Um, but uh, but you've got an incredible opportunity to pray for people 
and invite God into their lives. Um, I know, you know, the younger guys in the office, they laugh at me because, um, because they know my position on, on marriage. And I give them a hard time when they're living with their girlfriends. You know, this, like when you're driving to a client in a car with a colleague, it's an incredible opportunity. It's like a captive audience to talk about things you want to talk about. And, um, and, and, and they know that I'm going to talk about certain things and I'm going, to, I'm going to challenge them on why they believe what they believe and why they're doing what they're doing. And without any Christianese or any of that, just say why I think, you know, what, you know why I believe what I believe. And um, those moments, you know, are special. Um, you know, this is not just another task. You know, work is just not another thing to do. God's called us to love people, to affirm them, to honor them, to be gracious, to be transformers in the workplace. And uh, that's our calling. That's what God has called us to do. So to, to wrap up, I just wanted to reiterate those three types of Christians in the workplace and say, you know, are you a survivor who separates your work life from your you know, spiritual life, your social life? They don't welcome God into their nine-to-fives, um, and they don't feel like there's much purpose in their workplace. Maybe you're principled. Maybe, you know, it's, it's about being good. It's about being ethical, but sort of no more than that. Um, you know, don't pray much maybe for, for, for um, your work situations. But maybe you're a transformer, or maybe that's where you want to be. That's certainly where I want to be. I want to be a spirit-filled transformer in the workplace. I want to be Holy Spirit-empowered. I want to be hearing God for the people that I interact with. I want to be getting his divine creativity about the ideas we have. I want, us to, I want to be making a meaningful and godly difference in this world. And now if you're not a worker and you say, well, hold on, this whole sermon has totally not been like relevant to me because I'm retired or, you know, whatever. The, the, the reality is wherever you are, whatever, whatever you do, do it unto the Lord. Maybe you're a trustee of a body corporate. You know, you're, you've retired. Um, you interact. You have influence. Use it for God's glory. Maybe you have opportunity to, to, to mentor others, to give some life experiences to others so that, you know, people like me in their 40s with young kids, you know, working hard, you know, life is just going at like a million miles an hour. And quite frankly, you know, every year you sit with your wife and you say, this year we're going to make sure we, we prioritize better and we do this and that. And it's, it's hectic. You know, it's hard. Um, draw alongside some of those people because we have this window to influence, to be men, of, men and women that transform our society, transform the workplace. That's God's calling over our lives. Let's stand and let's, let's pray. Yeah, thank you, Lord, that, uh, that you care about our work. Thank you, Lord, that our work is worship to you. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us work to do 
so that you may be glorified. Lord, I pray that you would speak into our hearts that purpose, that we would know the calling that you have given us for now, not for the future, not when things get better or when that perfect job arrives, but for now, wherever you have put us, I pray, Lord, that we would not just be good people, ethical people, but, Lord, that we would be transformers in the workplace, seeking your kingdom come, your will be done in the workplace. Lord, we need help. We need help by your grace, by your power. We pray, Lord, come, have your way in our work environments. Have your way in our lives. Help us to be instruments of change. In Jesus' name, amen. Pam, I think you've got one more, one more worship song. Steve, just before Pam um, brings the song, Roy's just got a word he wants to share. Steve, um, I'm terribly enthused by your message today. Uh, it uh, really uh, echoes my thoughts exactly because after many years in the corporate business, I started my own business at age 53 based on Christian principles. 